Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Welcome to another episode of Murph Rants About the Referee. This week's episode <laughs> is uh, we feature on Mike Adamson of Scotland. Murph, <laughs> you have 90 minutes. The floor is yours. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's, <laughs> it's at the point where I should like me just make notes. Uh, actually, instead of watching Island Italy today, I watched the first half of um, England-Wales again. And... Honestly, there was so many talking points, not just the ref now, so many talking points throughout the game. You could have had 80 talking points because there was something every minute which was contentious or noteworthy or worth talking about. Uh, Well, that's what that's what makes these podcasts great on um, on these weekends. It's when it's like Cardiff versus Benetton and there's there's, 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 (laughs) you know, there's there's barely there's barely a talking point throughout it that we struggle. Yeah. 
Go on, Matt. Uh, you, you, you could easily, uh, the three of us, sit here and do a watch through mm. and pause it every time something fucking stupid happened <laughs> and to discuss that. <laughs> and then the next minute, something else. The, to- the, the tone was set um, from the kickoff. We, we, yeah. we didn't feel the kickoff. We cocked it up. They were attacking. Mm. And I think in our 22, maybe second or third ruck, uh, it was a good tackle on an English player. And Dan Bigger was in a really good jackal position. And uh, Henry Slade just came in from basically our side of the ruck. Uh, so Dan Bigger ended up being rucked forward, if you like, mm. forward into the English side, onto his head, uh, ended up sitting on his ass and was just doing that Dan Bigger thing of his arms open, looking at the touch judge. Uh, touch judge did nothing, which, you know, I suppose you'd expect. And that set the tone, really, for, for most of it. Yeah, it's obviously we're going to get into the most contentious ones. We haven't we genuinely, even if I gave you ninety minutes, Murph, we wouldn't have time to go through uh, all of the uh, no. No, all no. of the talking points. Um, I could try. I could. I definitely could have a good crack at that. Pa- Patreon special coming up there for real <laughs> for real gluttons of punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like even I wouldn't listen to uh, that. <laughs> Eighty minutes in, and another thing. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But obviously, we're going to look at the bigger picture as well. We got the uh, we got listeners' questions. Ultimately, Wales came up short. Uh, ended up seventeen points down, but very you know could conceivably have won that game. Uh, it was a, a bizarre game of rugby. How did you find it um, watching on the telly, Murph? Me and Dan were, were in the ground. I want to get Dan's opinion on that in a in a sec. But how did you find it as a as a spectacle watching on the telly? Uh, agony uh, as a you know, uh, one-eyed Welshman, just agony. I, I, I'm glad I watched it at home, my wife, because uh, n- no one else got to see me completely losing my composure in the living room. And uh, I, in fact, I know she, she eavesdrops on my recording, that's, but she, she doesn't listen to the that's a, podcast. That's another, that's another Patreon also. special where we just put a, yeah, put so, a camera in your living so, room. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So. Uh, I'd just like to publicly apologise to uh, my wife and the cat and all the neighbourhood cats because they were all they were all doing a runner out of the room because I was losing my shit really like totally going nuts and um, you know like I say it's it's harder it, it, watching Wales play England is hard yeah, enough as it is um, but that was tough and now she's <laughs> now she's stroked to a bomb in me on Zoom <laughs> so um, yeah she wasn't best pleased with me but but uh, that's you know that's how hard it is to support Wales it is Dan what did you make of it like quality wise and as a spectacle from the stands yeah I I thought it was um, I couldn't believe first of all that we were only they they didn't they weren't sort of 20 probably sort of 20 points up after about 15 minutes I thought we were under the pump so much obviously the ref ref gave us absolutely nothing but um we were clinging on for, you know, we, we were clinging on um, big time, I thought, in the first, first 15, 20, 25. Um, I, I thought from the, from the stands that the ref, that all the officials, not just the ref, all the officials were, were, were beyond poor. But you know what it's like when you're in the ground, you think that might be in, you know, you haven't got the greatest of, of, of views of you yeah. and, and, you know, obviously, yeah, maybe the one-eyed thing comes into comes into play. But I always try try and put a bit of balance on. But I just I was flummoxed by a number of the number of the decisions. Stuff like 
like the obvious stuff that you can see in the ground, the offsides, yeah. the you know, the inconsistencies, all those things. And then the when I came back then to read to see some of the the more closer points that I couldn't see, they were all they were all there and evident as well. So um yeah, I left. I, I couldn't after the first half, I couldn't I was quite uh, perplexed really as to the as to what was going on it was a really weird game I, I, t- I put a message out to you boys on the group because I couldn't understand it felt really weird like I had no no concept of what really was going on I was just like why are we why have we lost every single breakdown and you know obviously watching the game back you can see that some of that is, is down to referee and some of it is just down to insanely bad um, basics getting wrong you know just not even flying in off your feet. It's like it would be less obvious flying in off your feet than it is to just seal a ball off like Basham and um, and Rollins did. You know, it's they're just really really basic errors, and it was a really odd game to kind of get the to get a gauge of, and um, and then yeah, when you know when you look back at, at those refereeing decisions, the yes that you know there there was a load of inconsistency at the breakdown, and you know. Players not rolling away for Wales, but then England not getting pinged for the same things. Line-out offences, Itoje, you know, pulling on Adam Beard's arm and nothing being given there, and then vice versa, a penalty getting given. And then obviously the biggest talking point has been the the England try, which I think for me, I could kind of forgive the uh, if, if it was a straightforward try, um, them not going to the TMO for a line-out offence, and Itoje's been clever and he's, you know, and he's, he's nudged him. And it should have been a penalty, but no one spotted it. What I don't get is that was not a clear and obvious grounding. So if you would have gone to the TMO for the grounding, they would then have seen the line-out offence come back penalty Wales. That's the bit that I was really frustrated with. Is it didn't like it didn't look, it didn't look like a clear and obvious grounding to me. As he as he goes to put the ball down, some legs come flying through, and I you know I've yet to see a, a convincing grounding of that ball unless I've just not unless I've just not seen this. Am I am I going mad here? Ah, that, that, that's a good question. Because uh, I was questioning my sanity yesterday watching that game. Because if you, you well, you know, you will remember very well that during the Ireland game, Jacko Piper, I put out that message at half time uh, uh, Is it just me? Yeah. And yesterday I was starting to think, It is just me. Because every game, like obviously we mentioned Scotland, the referee was fine, Matt Berry. But every game now feels like uh, they're, they're on top of us. Um, and I was thinking, well, I, I, it's just me being one-eyed. It can't, it can't be the ref all the time. It can't be the ref all the time. It's just me being a victim, you know, because yeah. I'm a small country, big country, all that stuff. But then the, today, when the uh, reactions came in off Twitter, it's like, oh, okay, I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm actually a sane person. So, yeah, it, it, it's the ground. I mean, aside from go, just going back to your point about the try and the grounding, the, the, aside from the Atoje nudge, which stopped um, Beard getting off the ground, mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't nudge him, he's already closed the gap before he touches yeah. him as a penalty. Before Absolutely. he touches him, he didn't enforce the gap all game, um, and that's why there were so many line-up penalties because they're just too close to each other. Uh, the ground in, I just thought it, was, it wasn't going to come to the ground. I just thought it would get pulled back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, from what I can tell, I, I, some uh, TV coverage today, the, the referee asked if he needed to look at the line-out, and the TMO said no, line-out is fine. So that's wow. what, who was the TMO? Uh, Brian McNeese, McNice, whatever his name is. Yeah, he's I in my think, black book. Mate. Yeah, right in there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's things like that. Raynal, right? Piper, <laughs> Adamson, <laughs> McNeese. 
or whatever his name is. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I could quite happily sit here and moan about their effort for uh, for an hour, but I'll try not to. I just thought, it, yeah, it's an utterly bizarre game of rugby. Like a really spirit. I've got to hand it to Wales. That was a spirited second half, and they yeah. could could have won it. And particularly when you're seventeen nil down at that at that gaff, it's very easy for the wheels to come off. Um, mm. But I mean, England England didn't come out in the second half. I thought they I thought they were absolutely awful. Um, Wales were you know refereeing aside, there were just too many basic errors in that first half. Um, I just I yeah. still don't know what to think about it because there were definitely some positives in there by way you know I thought that was Thomas Williams's best game in a in a red shirt. Um, mm. You know, lots of lots of stuff in there to to like. Possibly. Possibly Cuthbert. I think Cuthbert was was man of the match, if I'm honest. And I do. Yeah, I don't know why. I still I still can't work out why Marcus Smith was man of the match. I th- I, yeah, I thought Smith played well. He looked very good, and you know he had an, yeah, he had an armchair ride for it, most of the game because if if he's man of the match, where's all the tries they scored? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what he's there for. So he's kicked kick, kick the penalties, missed a sitter, and made. I I counted uh, about three half breaks. Mm. Um, Arguably, Otoji outplayed him completely. Otoji was had more influence. And I on thought Don Brown did as well. Did. Yeah, well, it was a forward. It was, well. it was a, it was a breakdown based game, yeah. wasn't it? Um, so those boys who did all the disrupting, you know, just stop Wales getting any uh, game together. And so he's he's the new. Obviously, I we we do this, don't we, about the uh, media? But he's the new poster boy. So so long as he doesn't have a shocker, he's probably going to be man of the match every time he's he's pleased for England. Yeah, um, I mean, this is just madness, though, isn't it? Because I thought you know, but this is the the polarizing social media world that we live in. That it's either oh Marcus Smith is all hype and he's actually rubbish and he played terribly today, or it's oh he's man of the match and. You know, based on what I saw, the truth was somewhere in the middle. I thought he played well behind yeah. a pack that, the pack that was gen- generally the better pack on the day. But there mm. were definitely individuals who who shone more than him for me. Plenty, yeah. But uh, I mean, uh, uh, you know, he said we could talk about um, the ref for eighty <laughs> minutes plus. <laughs> that is one other thing. <laughs> uh, the first Cuthy break, I think, yeah. where he passed out the no the second one sorry where he passed out the back yeah. to Moriarty and then Moriarty was tackled by Tom Curry and then the ball came forward somehow and it ended up a scrum to Wales right yeah there was only two players on the floor and the only way for it to be a scrum to Wales is if it was a knock on by Curry yeah if it was a knock on by He's Curry he was lying on the yeah. ground at the time so it can't it can't actually be a fucking scrum it can only be a penalty to us yeah mm. and, and that's another instance where no no replay was shown to the TV. The TMO didn't want to know at all, obviously, as we know. But the TMO did find time to find the sneakiest cheat by a player, and, and a deserving yellow card, by the way. Liam did Williams, find yeah. time to find the, the sneakiest, slyest cheat I've seen possibly since, I don't know, since McCall retired. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and found that, re- like, no one saw it in real time, but he found that one. The, mm. the obvious one, which was in, in in open play, no one around him. It must have had four cameras on it, not picked up on at all. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I it, it, that's why I said I question my sanity yesterday because mm. you start to think you're a, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you're but, absolutely <laughs> saying this. It was. It was just <laughs> everyone's it, it, with it's you. It's just that bad. You just can't. Yeah. The, the TMO just was. I don't know. You, I think the refs. I think the refs would also look back at that, you know, as a collective and think, God, we got it. 
we had an absolute howler. Mm, not yeah. not just a poor, not a poor game. You know, they yeah. they were they were awful from from start to finish. Though they, they didn't. Yeah. I've, I've seen some things that he started to get a bit better from the 60th minute. I, I he was he was making errors all the way through. Really, as as a, as a unit, they were for me. He's got cover on the line-out decision because he did ask if there was anything yeah. to see and the TMO said no. But you're right. I mean, he was still bloody awful at the breakdown. Um, some, some of the breakdown, obviously, we weren't helping ourselves. Uh, like, no, uh, no. presenting back is not great. Not enough. We, we get, we got a, it's a disease, I think, in Welsh rugby of not committing enough men to um, uh, attacking rucks. They all want to be in position so they can do the one-up bullshit that comes to nothing. So if you're going to just start hang around in the packs doing one-up bollocks, you'd just well be in the ruck. Out, out the there way, was but, a lot uh, of like half... Um, one thing I did get quite a good view of, so I was sat in the south stand, is you could see the shape. And again, there was a lot of neither one thing nor the other, neither committing to the ruck nor actually having a proper shape in the, in the back line. So you're kind of like moving in towards a ruck but not getting there. And then you're at a position when the ball comes your way anyway so it was that stuff again is you know I don't know you, you hope it comes with time but that's that's really really frustrating stuff um, because you, you don't get many opportunities to win at England and I thought England were you know were really really poor in that second half and were, were, yeah, were 100% there yeah. for the taking I can't see them winning another game Ireland at home France away yeah I think I, look, I, I think Ireland without a massive improvement on their on their own if, part. If they know? play anything like that against Ireland, they'll Ireland will have them. And uh, yeah, yeah, France, France. I think look, look, every inch the Grand Slam side. Yeah, good I thing mean, for them is that they can like they 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 were really poor, weren't they? They still won, um, and they could they. They can get, they can get so much better, can't they? But I don't know whether they can though, with with uh, you know with Ed, with Eddie and what they do. He doesn't, but, he's, he doesn't want to be picking this side. I don't think it just doesn't feel right. You know, the minute Manu is, I know, I know Manu is world class, and he may, you know, he'd make that back line look a lot, lot better. But you know, they're doing what we're we're chucking Toby back in, which we will come on to later because he was imperious. I thought we're chucking him back because we're desperate. We're like, look, we haven't got another, we haven't got another eight. We all know that. Let's get it. Let's get him back in the side. He's got the biggest player base in Europe, and they're you know, and they're they're dragging Tuilagi back in after what a game and a half of rugby, and I know yeah. it's a different it's a different injury, wasn't it? It was his hamstring, I think. Um, yeah, but you can't be. Really- you thing is, <laughs> thing is with Tuilagi, you you've got to put him in quick because it won't be long before he's fucking injured again. Well, that's true. So, <laughs> you know, they, they've got to, they can't hang around if they wait till the last game. He'd have had another two matches for sale and be be laid up again so um, and you know mates of mine have said why do they bother with him he's just never fit mm. why do they bother with him but he's head and shoulders their best back yeah so you know that's why you you know it's um, and it's made worse by the fact when he's injured rather than place him with like for like oh you can't do like for like obviously they haven't got another massive Polynesian centre but rather than pick an actual inside centre they play someone out of position which makes yeah. the which makes the miss of Tuilagi even it compounds the miss if you know what I mean. It feels like that's the yeah, strangest thing, though, isn't it? If they had someone that they're not going to be like for like, but they could they could use somebody could they better than what they're doing to make it sort of a little bit similar, have a little bit of symmetry. But now yeah. they you know they they want to put a wing in there or, or a scrum half or whatever else. <laughs> I just <laughs> think it's the disease. A second row, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Told you'll be there. No, <laughs> it's like the scourge of. Um, 
of international head coaches though is picking players out of position. It's very on trend at the moment. I just don't, I just cannot is, yeah. I cannot fathom it how people would look at someone and go, oh, they'll they'll be all right at test level, you know, in a position that they don't play. <laughs> Dave, yeah, Dave, you played yeah. at twelve yesterday, didn't he? No, it was, oh, it was um, Slade at twelve, was it? Slade, right. yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, neither I, of them, neither of them can do it. Yeah, it, it just looked it looked very very odd, and you know. Both had had their moments and stuff, but again, just just really really strange. And, and that's the that's the real the real sickener is to be there seventeen nil down, and they're there for the taking. Um, is yeah, is a, a real kick in the pants. Yeah, and if you think of it, it's only the steady stream of uh, breakdown penalties yeah. that meant yeah. they scored any second half points at all. Uh, well, obviously, so we, obviously, we fed them the try uh, in the first few minutes, but uh, uh, after the 17 nil point, just after half time, they, they wouldn't have scored without mm. the steady stream of uh, uh, breakdown pens they were getting from the ref. So, and uh, again, uh, they didn't score a try um, of their own making, they didn't create a try, and yet Marcus Smith was still man of the match. <laughs> Barbie. Crackers. Right, Dan, I'm looking to you for the... Because I've seen this go kind of two ways. Still being a bit sceptical like me and other people being actually quite positive about the, you know, about the, the second half and starting to see things in the backs click. What did you make of the... What did you make of the, the backline play throughout the game? Yeah, I thought, I thought that we did actually see some play from us mm. during the game. So we actually put some rugby together, which you, I, I can't say for England. I don't like you know. For me, they didn't they didn't put anything together. I I you know we moved the ball around. It still didn't look smooth though. It it, it did look to look it looked a bit panicked, but and I couldn't quite see. Like you, I was up quite quite high. Um, just looking at the, looking at the pitch, trying to see what like our formation and it was a bit all over the shop really. So. There are positive signs that we did move the ball around and we scored, you know, we scored some good tries. So we've got to be, you know, we've got to, we've got to give a thumbs up for that. But I, I, I still think there was loads that um, that weren't good for me, that wasn't good for us um, in 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 the back play. And a lot of it, I think, was down to just how poor England were, really. Oh, Dan, there was there was me relying on you to bring the uh, to bring the positivity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can give you, I can give you some positivity. Yeah, there, there was a backs move. Yeah, there from was a, from a first uh, from a set piece. I can't remember if it was scrum or line up, but yeah. uh, we did a proper that. yeah with a bit of deception and and like um, sleight of hand, and it got us over the gain line and got things moving. And sometimes when your backs are not going well, something like that will get things going because uh, the theory that Yestin had uh, about the, the just waiting for the penny to drop with the backs that they got to do things off the cuff according to what's in front of them. Um, they just end up banging their head against a brick wall if you leave them do that. But that move seemed to, I don't know if it was the start of us playing well behind or scoring tries, but it seemed to get things flowing. And once you've, once you've got yourself over the game line, then it's much easier than uh, the crash ball, five fat forwards lying on top of your centre, slow ball comes out, and then you do it again, one up, one up, one up. I mean, it's total. I'd rather, I'd rather watch soccer. You know, it's, it's just garbage. I'm not interested in that type of rugby at all. 
Yeah, I hear you. I think, I'll tell you what there was though, there's definitely a bit of an intent to want to go uh, yesterday, I think. You know, you look at that that break from Cathy early on uh, was, um, you know, was definitely was definitely encouraging. Problem was, I mean, it must have been two or three times he got away and there was no one bloody with him. And, yeah. and I know that no. I know that can happen every now and again, but you think when we've got a pretty light, you know, a light mobile back row, there'd be someone in there steaming in. Yeah. There's the ball, and we're and we're off and we're running again. And yeah, I, there's no I, water I carrier, is there? There's, there's there's no water carrier like um, Sam Warburton used to. Yeah. I know uh, for all his qualities, uh, what he used to do was go around the pitch, making sure we weren't turned over. Mm. So it, on our possession, he would just make sure that he'd secure every ruck that he went to. And it's not really a player like that in the back row or the second row who just goes around. They're all trying to, you know, have their carries and the different stuff that they do. But there's a, sometimes you just need a water carrier who's not looking to do much other than secure ball. retain possession. Yeah. That's where I, I, I thought that um, I thought that Jack Morgan made a big difference. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was lying off the bench. When he came on. And Jed on the backs, I thought that we needed to see a big game. I think we touched on it, didn't we, before, uh, as we were walking, approaching Twickenham, from from Thomas, mm. for Thomas Williams, just to have him as a bit of a, you know, a bit of a threat, not quite sure what he was going to do, not always passing. Um, and he did have, I agree with you, he had a, he had a, he did probably have his best game, didn't he, in a, in, in, in a Welsh shirt, but he, was, he, had a, he had a decent game. I still think there's more to come for him, though. Yeah, I do. I just thought we saw some of those, that break in the second half, you know, the basketball pass. That was him, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. It was a little difficult to see yeah. But um, yeah, that basketball pass. And, and actually, I just thought the, the pass for the uh, for the Adams try and just generally, I think the, <laughs> to use your phrase, the tempo was, yeah. was definitely better than it has been before, I think. Yeah. I, I wonder if um, Falatau had an influence on yeah. Thomas, uh, Thomas Williams playing better. Yeah, very good. Very good uh, point. That the, the the pass, the Thomas Williams pass for Josh Adams try, um, world beater Freddie Stewart was all over the shop on that. <laughs> he was. Funny. Yeah, you're really not he, sold here. Well, he, he's really good in the air. Yeah. Like you know, he's he's a, he's on a par with Liam Williams on defensive uh, bomb defusing, shall we say? Mm. But the rest of his game, uh, he, he, it could be that, like I said, he's so tall. It might be a bit like Blair Kinghorn. He doesn't look like he's moving, but he really is. Mm. But he doesn't. So far, I, I I don't know what they were going. They were going mad about him in the autumn, like he was uh, the new main guy, um, and he's just all right. You know, he's just good in the air. Uh, and he, had a, did you see Cuthbert absolutely yeah. walloped him on that run as well? I thought he was going to go off after that because yeah. he caught yeah. him right. It was like, a, it was like a forearm yeah. one, wasn't it? You know, not an intentional mm, yeah. lead with a forearm, but he's he's collided with it really hard. Yeah, what yeah. a game from Cuthbert! Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. You can understate that because that was monster. And you know, I've I've said, you know, I, I was unsure of his kind of selection because yeah, he'd been he'd been good for the Ospreys, but I wasn't sure how you know how impressive that form was. Uh, well, yeah, nailed on that fourteen shirt. His, I, I think it yeah. was after the the Scotland game actually, and obviously as it proved out. Definitely the right call dropping Lewis Rees-Samit. As we said, he didn't. He hadn't looked right beforehand. But you know that that was definitely a you know a genuinely exciting thing. Is there is a player in the back line who can do something out of nothing, make yards, and and look like he can score from anywhere. Out. It really encouraged. I mean, it's a hell of a story if you think yeah. of it because he was you know everyone's hated player in Wales and the, the, his confidence it took this shot. You could see. 
on the pitch, his confidence shot, but Gatland insisted on carrying on picking. And then it became everyone's sort of pet hate in the Welsh team and all this. He, to the point where, obviously, the, the goldfish ball of South Wales, he, he did the right thing and went away. Mm. And uh, come back, and it's like as if he's realised he, he's never going to be um, a footballing, all, all-rounder, Harbin Globetrotter-type winger. He just knows, he's realised what he's good at, which is being big and fast and strong. And uh, he's comfortable with it. He's improved in the air. But otherwise, it's just the same cut. He's just got his confidence back. Yeah. It's, 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 it is. A, it's really um, pleasing and um, uh, impressive comeback from, from where he was. When you consider, the, you know, on social media and, the, uh, and regular media, the abuse he was getting and everything. So it's yeah. quite a big story, I think. Yeah, I was particularly happy from the stands. Yeah, I had a big smile on my face for him. Great. Mm. Yeah, I thought he can handle him at all. Exactly. Yeah, well, the, the, um, he, he made uh, a muppet out of uh, Jack Noel, former teammate at Exeter. Oh, he skinned, was, he skinned you know, him a couple of, not just running through him, yeah. he skinned him on the outside a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went straight through Henry Slade mm. for the first run, straight yeah. through him. So it was like Slade didn't really want to know it. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. That, that was what started me off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the first cutty run got me fired up and then uh, never looked back. No, it's very uh, very encouraging for him. And, of course, Ryan Elias is in that side to be the uh, the, the pariah that everyone seems to want to stick the boot into <laughs> now. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, not... Um, not uh, not entirely fair. Um, so, anyway, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and uh, we're going to take some listeners' questions. Right, second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. We've got listeners' questions. We've got a thank you to everyone who uh, who sent these in, by the way. So we're going to try and get through uh, get through a few of these. Um, of course, we did have one uh, from Richard Richard Idris Jones, which just said, "Looking forward to hearing the Mighty Murph review, Mike Addington." So uh, yeah, hopefully we got a, a nice taster of that. Um, as I say, yeah. the, the the uncensored director's cut version will be coming soon to a, to a Patreon <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. with e- extra F words <laughs> yeah I thought yeah your run rate for F words was particularly high even for you in that first half Murph so well played um, this one is from Tom Mullet are Wales the best game's dead so let's chuck it about to instill false hope team in the world um, that makes a lot more sense when you see it written down. But yeah, essentially, are Wales uh, are Wales better at playing uh, better at playing when it looks like the game's dead? Can we actually come out and, and compete again, Dan? And feel that one first. Yeah, we we do have a knack, don't we? Of you know, none of the sides building leads, and then we it's almost like the shackles are off. Let's you know, let's let's start playing. It's so frustrating, though, isn't it? Because we seem to do it like regularly. I, I don't. I don't understand why we, you know, if we look at that England game, why we, you know, we were we were so off the pace, weren't we? Um, in that in that first half, we just couldn't get anything going at all. And and as we've said a few times, they weren't they weren't particularly great at all. Yeah, we were still, you know, we were, you know, we were getting absolutely hammered. Um, so yeah, I think um, I I I tend to agree with that statement. <laughs> Dan, 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 are you yesterday in disguise? What's going on? <laughs> uh, definitely a Turkenham. I think I said last week we tend to be out of sight with uh, 15, 20 minutes to le- left and score consolations. Yeah. And you could argue that's what 
you know, that's, although it was impressive, you could argue that's what yesterday was, um, late consolations, because uh, it was only because Dan Bigger dropped goal the last try that we had a roll of the yeah. dice to attempt to win. <clears throat> Otherwise, we, you know, if he hadn't, if he did just put it on the floor and take the thing, it was final whistle. And uh, again, the horse, the, the horse racing form, never nearer than, than the finish yeah. line. Um, but, you know, it does... I think someone said on Scrum Five today we've been down there with the strong sides and got hammered. So it does it does save us in the record books from looking like we were miles behind if we if we play well late. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, we said right this time. we said this last week though, didn't we? Like this has basically been every single game at Twickenham for the last yeah. you know two years ago we um, we were we lost the game, scored that wonderful try, and then was there another score late on or something? I think and. Tuilangi got sent yeah. off, so the scoreline looked very close. And then two years before that, there was the we were definitely the second best side, but we had that Anscombe try disallowed or the, not given for kind of no no real reason. Um, mm. Twenty sixteen again, we were outplayed, but I think maybe Falatau scored a try to bring it back in. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing new. It's like whatever that is. The last four or five visits, um, mm. and it doesn't. You know. I don't take a great amount of consolation to losing to England narrowly. Really, it's you know, it's it's still a loss, isn't it? I, I tell you what, I forgot until this weekend. Is we we put forty points on them last year. Yeah, that is true. I had forgotten the scoreline. Yeah. I knew we won convincingly, but actual forty points on England in the Six Nations last year. Amazing. If we're sticking with the horse racing uh, analogies, which, as you know, I'm determined to turn this podcast into a horse racing one. Um, <laughs> England are a side that they're like a horse who hits a flat spot, aren't they? They certainly seem to be against us. Exactly the same last year when they got themselves back in that game, and then the last quarter just did not turn up. Same thing. Um, same thing happened uh, at points against Scotland, and same thing happened. Um, same thing happened yesterday. They just hit a complete flat spot where they seem to just stop playing. Yeah, they couldn't get any. They be. They can't get. They couldn't get anything going whatsoever, could they? Um, and we were all over another five, another five minutes to that game. We would have, uh, we would have taken it, wouldn't we? I don't quite know. I don't quite know why they switch off so badly as well. Because I found myself thinking, "Oh, is it?" You know, they thought they had, they thought they won the game, and then we, you know, we obviously came into it and started playing, you know, playing a bit, and but they could have lost that. That's got to have something to do with it, though, hasn't it? Is because I mean, no one loses a game from a seventeen nil lead, do they? Do you know? What? I think if Italy was seventeen nil up against someone, they wouldn't lose it in the Six Nations. It's just yeah. that, that that points gap is is huge at international rugby. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I wonder what the record is for the biggest uh, comeback. They normally have a someone has a stat for that, don't they, on telly? Um, I mean, especially Twickenham. Mm. I mean, nine points is enough for Twickenham if you if you against the ref and the crowd and the TMO. Um, just going back to <laughs> going back to the ref, if you don't mind, for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, you know that um, Tompkins kick through that uh, yeah, Watkins chased, yeah. and we ended up with a scrum five. And there was a period there where England just didn't want to scrummage. Yeah, and I thought we ended that. Up yeah, they just didn't want to know. It was Wynne Jones and Tom Francis on the pitch with their their running props, if you like, in in Genge and uh, Sinclair, and they just were refusing to get down. 
uh, ended up with a penalty. Instead of going for another scrum, we went to the line-out, yeah. which is mm. notoriously flaky at best, our line-out. They should, have, they should have kept going scrum and make the... Uh, uh, delete my swear word. Make the uh, uh, scrummage. And, and then it happened again. Then uh, later on, um, we ended up with a scrum on our own five-yard line. And um, uh, Sinclair just stood up out of one yeah. of them. He was down and ready to go, and he just didn't fancy it. Stood up and got out. And we ended up with a penalty there. Then... Surprise, surprise. Once they brought on some scrummagers in the second half, which was Marla and Stewart, their best scrummage, then they wanted to scrummage all the time and the ref was fine with it. But when, when they, were, they were literally refusing to get down sometimes. At one stage, uh, Carl Sinkler was saying, oh, no, my elbow, ref, my elbow. And then rubbing his elbow. This is the one in 10 minutes on their five-yard line. Rubbing his elbow, then deciding he was ready. Then we go in and then ended up, uh, it, went, it collapsed and we had the penalty and went into touch instead. But... Um, yeah, we've just been, I don't know, I don't know. You know, I made the excuse last week about um, the standing of Gatlin means we don't get um, as much respect from referees, but I changed my mind. I think it might be um, Alan Wynn on the pitch. Mm. So he's, his standing globally in the game, you know, most capped player in the world and everything else he is. Uh, if he asks the referee something, he's not, they're not fobbing him off. You know, they, mm. they take they have to take him seriously. Whereas I think some of the conversations Dan Bigger was having yesterday were just vague. What can we do for you, refs? <laughs> Which did you? I don't know if you picked that up on the mic. What can we do for you, ref? But um, Alan Wynn seems to hold more sway. So I wonder if that's the bit where I'm questioning my sanity. I wonder if the root of it is the fact that Alan Wynn's stature with the referee is not there now. Maybe I don't know. Interesting one. Yeah, I think that's an I think that's an interesting that's an interesting point. I mean, there's the on the scrums and the ref. Yes, the, he, they were having they were having all sorts of fun and games with with him, weren't they? Because he he didn't have any authority, didn't have any control, did he? Um, I almost felt, yeah, he was completely out completely out of his depth. There, they were. It was like a merry-go-round, and. Um, yeah, if I think now, if if Alan Wynn was on the pitch, you, you can imagine that 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 just probably wouldn't happen, would it? Mm. You know, over he comes. I like to think he wouldn't have gone for touch. You know, if they're refusing to scrummage on their own five yard line, you get a penalty. I I I know sometimes with referees it can be uh, a lottery over what yeah, which way the yeah, decision is going to go. But um, I would want I would want to keep scrummaging. If they're reluctant to actually scrum against us, I would want to keep going. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I suppose was was that relatively early in the game, Murph? Yeah, like ten minutes. In. Yeah, it was, it was after after the the uh, grubber through by Tom. That's right. Yeah, which so it, it was early Tommy Watkins chased he chased down uh, uh, outside centre Daly, Elliot Daly. Yeah, chased yeah. him down, forced him into touching goal in the end. And we That's had to right. Five. Yeah, I, I suppose but they were just refusing to get their head in at one stage. It almost feels like uh, a bit of a pre um, a premeditated move that early in the game doesn't it because actually the week before the driving line out went well and we scored our try from it so I don't know whether that that was that was part yeah, of point. it yeah, yeah. but um, but you're yeah. right there was definite that might have even been the second scrum of the game wasn't it I think there was good, I, yeah. I think yeah, there yeah, had yeah. been a scrum before that and, and you definitely got the sense that that there was uh, that we had that we had the uh, we had the edge on it first scrum we, went, we had a free kick didn't we yeah I think we did very, thing very is, early on. If you they, do get, 
if you do get ascendancy in that position, it invariably ends up in a yellow card. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's why they're either they were basically refusing to get down. A, they were getting ping like free kicks for early engage and all sorts of weird offenses. And then they were looking when they did offensive scrimmage, they were looking for the ground because that can go 50 50 and you end up with a penalty even though you're looking to go to the ground. And um, I just thought we had a chance to. That, you know that's a that's a really strong scrum. Uh, Tom Francis is a massively underrated Welsh player. Um, mm. uh, him and, him and um, Owen Watkins should have been off mind for HIA. Well, actually, that leads us perfectly, Murph, onto uh, yeah, on, on, onto, the, onto the next question, which was uh, from Reese Lloyd. Will rugby ever get the message through to kids that head injuries should be treated with the utmost caution, as long as we're letting uh, concussed players like Tom Francis back on the pitch in the biggest of pro games? Uh, well, both of them, both at the same time. It was they, well, they had a head clash with each other, didn't they? And they were both. It was like watching Rocky. They were both unable to get up off the canvas and just wobbling and all, and all over the shop. And it does. It's not a good look. Mm. And they're, they're saying there's going to be an investigation now, but I don't know who okayed them to go back on. But it, yeah, it, it's it's really really yeah, worrying Rocky. when you look at the the way Tom Francis got back up and mm. staggered as if he'd had you know he'd had twenty pints. Trying to get yeah. get get his way back to back to his seat in the pub, it, it was not. Um, yeah, that was that that was really really worrying when you when you saw him again. I mean, presumably there is a a very strict protocol for this to happen, and you know that's that's what we assume. But again, you, you've got yeah. you, it's only right that you should question whether that protocol is right. Do you know what I mean? When you, when you see an impact as big as that, because there must be well, something it, that you're not seeing. Even if they pass the HIA, the medical people should, as I understand it, should look at the incident. Mm. And if they look completely out of it, the HIA doesn't pass in the assessment. doesn't matter. Mm. If they were all over the shop, which they both were. I, I, the re, I didn't see Tom France at the time because I was busy looking at Owen Watkins because Owen Watkins yeah, he's, like, yeah. he'd been in a car crash. Mm. Um, so I, yeah. the fact yeah, that yeah, both, they both came back is... I don't, like I say, there's going to be an investigation into it now. So they both look very groggy, didn't they? I, I think that if you've had a collision, if you had a collision like that, you can't. Doesn't matter what happens with the with the HIA protocol. You, you, you just you can't. You've got to be off, haven't you? Really, mm. it's a hell of an impact. Yeah, it would change things, but it's yeah. um, it's it, it, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I can make it do. It's people's lives. Well, it's people's lives we're talking yeah. about here though isn't it uh, you know like 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 Reece yeah. says in the question it's it's every level um but you've got two players there that you, you can only worry about their welfare when you see a a, a clash of heads like that and that's that's yeah. gonna happen in rugby that wasn't there was no it wasn't like it was a dangerous incident a ruck or a high tackle or anything like that that's just two heads coming together but it's what do you do to protect players in um in that scenario and yeah you've got to feel like taking them out of the firing line is the is the most in, the most important thing in that uh, in that scenario? So um, yeah, worrying stuff. Let us tackle this one next. This is from Greg Sherrington. What sparked? Uh, we've kind of touched on a, a few bits of this in terms of what sparked the Welsh comeback. Um, but he's also asked a question around the breakdown as well. Um, is Basham the issue? Is he more of a dynamic open play seven uh, versus Morgan, whose clear out work and, and over the ball work is better? Me or Dan? I think we were kind of po- we were we were all stood there waiting, weren't we? Like Welsh forwards at a rut. I just wanted one of you to come yeah. in and clean someone out. Uh, go on, go on, Murph, you take that. 
Um, there's definitely, like I, I mentioned earlier, there's definitely a shortage of a water carrier. Um, it doesn't have to be the open side that does that. It can mm -hmm. be any of their back row, really. But uh, it's very early on in his career and obviously very early on in Jack Morgan's career. So sort of learning the international game still. And um, I don't know. I mean, he, he's making. I mean, he's making an okay start to his international career. Yeah. Uh, but whether he's that type of player, he does. He, he does a fair amount of turnover work for his club. But there's not. There's only been one, I think, so far this tournament mm. for him. Um, and he's not. Uh, uh, he's not a game-changing ball carrier. He is a ball carrier, but he's not a game-changing ball carrier. So. I mean, we're in a position of strength there because obviously we've got the two very young, promising players and and uh, existing sevens um, uh, out, out injured. So um, it's just a matter of who, who, who kicks on best from here because obviously getting into the Welsh side is the start, and then you have to improve after that. So I have this theory as well that kind of rugby goes in these cycles, doesn't it, where certain patterns of play become very, very. Um, not popular, prominent. So you know whether it's like the, you know the aerial ping pong and box kicking and things like that. And I also kind of think that sometimes happens in back row play as well. You know, you look at that period where it's very fashionable to have twin fetches and getting players over the ball and stuff like that was you know having really mobile back rows and the way Australia did it and stuff like that was very and Wales to a, to a certain extent was was definitely kind of. Um, fashionable and and could be very very effective i feel like we're in a phase now where you definitely benefit if you've got a really big back row hence seeing you know lots of locks playing at six and and all that kind of stuff i think you i, I think i think having you if you're going to look solely on kind of size playing a big back row will probably be a be a better percentage bet than it is picking a mobile back row Thing is, when Jack Morgan came on, though, he, he was to counter that. He had a massive impact, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled, haven't we, in the back row for Wales with like you know Tipperick that can play almost every type of. You know, he can carry hard. He gets over the ball. He's in the wide channels. He's just, he's incredible, isn't he? And I think. I think Basham is a, Basham's obviously a very different type of player. And Jack Morgan, I'd say, is a more, you know, he's nuts and bolts. He's a very, very sharp guy at seven, I think. Real, real thinking man seven. And I had a feeling he would make a he would make an impact. Didn't think it would be quite as big as it was, but I think it was monumental, the the, the level which he did. Basham's getting blamed quite a bit, isn't he, for being not that type of I don't agree with that. I think that uh you know he's played very well, but it's just he plays in a different way, and then we have to look at the the balance and makeup of the of the entire side because you need more people to get over the ball if he's playing there. And you know the front row, you know front row hasn't done that. You know when Dylan Lewis is there, he he, he does, doesn't he? But the front row don't do it, and the second row, not, you know, not massively either, really. So he's almost he's almost on his own. I think it's hard for I've seen quite a lot of criticism come you know come come Basham's way. I don't think that's Basham's criticism to take, really. Yeah, it's interesting. I you know I'm a big fan as you know. I didn't think he had a good game yesterday, um, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's the it's the makeup of the whole pack, isn't it? 
you need to, like yeah. Mur- Murph said this, you need someone or a couple of players in that in that back five to secure ball for you. And you're right, that's probably not necessarily his strong point. But then it doesn't help as well where you give away soft penalties from from sealing the ball off. So I don't think he had a good game. I still think he's got a very bright international future because he has this kind of um, electric pace and. I think he's a very good ball carrier, not in terms of a grunting way, but you know he carries strongly. Once he's, if he's like one on one with you, you back him to to fend the player off and to and to get um, and to get through that way. So I'm a yeah, I'm, I'm still a big fan of his, and I think he I think he will have a bright future. But you know, I, if you were picking the side for for next week, I think you'd definitely be tempted to put Morgan in that into that into that seven jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, I would I would I would say the same. I think. We gave away far too many penalties, didn't we? In the in the back, where you look at Moriarty and Basham, and and it was we didn't help ourselves at all, mm. did we? We 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 gifted them, we gifted them, uh, uh, gifted them penalties. Really, gave them that momentum, and it was always going to be so hard. That's where I was so frustrated because we didn't. I didn't think we needed to do it, you know. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh... I think it might be the um, Basham might be a bit of a victim of the media building him up because mm-hmm. they, they tend to do this with new players on the scene, build them up into being amazing. Like, for example, he got a lot of credit after the Ireland game because he made so many tackles. Yeah. And, you know, they were saying, oh, well, he, he was the one that played well and all that. But uh, and I, at the time, I, I didn't think too much of it, but none of those tackles were dominant. Mm. He just made... 15, 16 passive tackles. They were totally on the back foot the whole time. So you can't get that excited about that. You know, all he's doing is uh, basically uh, tackling people who are running straight at him, if you know what I mean. He's not taking people off their feet or beyond the, the game line or anything. So uh, it's one of those where they, the media, uh, uh, TV and press and social media talk him up to be something. And then after a while, people like us say, "Well, actually, he's just okay. He's not. He's you know, I, I, he's I not as good as you're making I, out." Yeah, I don't think it's that he's that he's just okay. I think it's like Dan says. I think that it is about the the makeup of the whole pack, and there's always a danger of saying you know, of looking at individual performances. You know, that's why player ratings are the most pointless thing in the world because yeah, you know, you look at an individual performance, but that doesn't that, that's not what wins test matches, really, is it? Okay, occasionally there's a standout performance from one player that you know has been the difference but you genuinely win test matches because of a unit function you know because your scrum went well your line out went well uh, because you dominated the, the breakdown because your kicking game was better it's these kind of things that um that kind of come into it so i still think you know there, there'll be certain games that actually will suit uh, attain basham really really well or coming mm. off the bench might suit him really really well or indeed there's um, you know, there's a, a period in his in his career where he's back playing for the Dragons week in week out, and Tipperick or Navidi's back in that seven jersey, and he develops different areas of different areas to his game. So, you know, I, I certainly don't think um, it's a question of going, oh well, actually, this guy's only okay. I think there's there's clearly a very very um, talented player in there, but you're right, it's got to be in the you know, it's got to be as part as part of a pack that that works uh, that works completely. Yeah, it's got a balance, isn't it? Didn't quite I think, work. I think I meant only okay at international level. It not, you know, he's clearly amazing at rugby. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the world beater that sometimes they get. They build players up to be, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah. You, you know, because in January he was he was a, a second coming of mm. uh, of uh, our best, you know, our best flanker ever or whatever, you know, uh, and. Now he's had his difficult second album, which we we like to compare with uh, rugby on a regular basis. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got a long. He's definitely got. He's just learning, isn't he, at the moment? I, I mean, Matt, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. He would be, he more, would be on the bench you know, if it wasn't for Tipperick's no. injury. I mean, he would be a bench yeah. player at this stage, which yeah. is probably, you know, where he should be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we just got to look at, you know, more if it's, if it, you know Moriarty and Basham in the. You know, in 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 the back there, you know, together that's going to work against certain sides, and it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be enough against others, is it? Hmm. Good point. Right, let's take this one from Paul Price. Whisper it, but is Tomkin our new inside centre? Dan. <laughs> <laughs> he had a he had a great game, didn't he? I mean, yesterday he he played he played very well. I think he's had a good campaign to be fair you know he's played he has played well and, and we've mentioned this a few times um you know on the on the pod tackled his heart out carried really well he was you know really really gave gave it everything and some couldn't couldn't fault him at all top performance um but you know my point i i still i still have question marks over whether we can you know whether we can build that back line around, you know, around around him really, um, which it feels really harsh saying that, and and it's not, you know, it's not it's not like a criticism really. It's just that's the you know the way the way the way he plays the way he plays. But can't fault him. We, you know, he's one of the standout players on the pitch, wasn't he, for Wales? Beth? Yeah, I, uh, you can't uh, disagree with the, the way he played yesterday, but I just think there's something about Tompkins where he's difficult to play with. For example, uh, this is uh, yesterday, he, he got a ball going right from a ruck on sort of blind side and ended up running behind Ross Moriarty and then, like, literally ran backwards in an arc around Moriarty. So Moriarty got pinged for uh, obstruction and then blamed Moriarty, which I thought was taking his life with his own hands, in a, you know, when Moriarty's blood is up, for God's sake. Um, like as if it was Moriarty's fault. But, you know, if you run backwards, you, your support is stranded. There's nothing anyone can do aside from be wider, you know, than he was. He came on a narrow ball and that's why it happened. But, uh, yeah, he's been look. He's been a bit of a graveyard for fellow centres, hasn't he? He's the only constant. Mm. Everyone else gets bumped off, and we've ended up with a player alongside him who's managed to stick around. You know, Mocking, who was totally out of favour in the autumn and, and at the start of the tournament, I think. Yeah, it's no, he made, two, he made it. It's only these yeah. two games. He, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't in even. Uh, wasn't even on the bench in uh, in Dublin. No, in he? Ireland. No, no. But it was the first time he's made the squad in a long time. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, 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 Pivac. So, yeah, I just think he's hard to play with. Like he's, I can't ever imagine him being in a free-flowing backline. I just can't. It just doesn't. Unless he matures into that, I don't know. He's kind of a stop-start kind of a player. There's no, you know, even when he's carrying and running with the ball, you don't really know where he's going, or there's nothing you can kind of play off as a as a centre partner. Partner. So. Yeah, but it doesn't stop him being effective. I just don't know how you fit him into a backline. 
Yeah, I think like we said last week, I would think he's the kind of player you could bring in when you've got a settled backline. Do you know what I mean? If this was if this was 2015, uh, you know, and you had I don't know whoever that was, you know, Webb, Bigger, Roberts, and then you know Tompkins instead of John Fox when he got injured, and then North Halfpenny Liam Williams. That might be, you know, that might be the scenario where you can you can kind of get the the best out of him. Um, but I, yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I feel really, but you know, I feel like like even after that performance, you cannot fault it as an individual performance. Again, very you know eye catching, impressive. But I, I I agree with you, Murph, that I just still sometimes see you know you see him running down blind alleys and and does that get the best out of the the back line as a unit and. Um, that's kind of the, the the difficulty for me. Jed, it's kind of like you remember we were saying that the Cardiff, the Cardiff backline when they had um, Halaholo and Ray Lilo, could they, mm. you, you, if they connected, it was you know unstoppable. Mm. Cardiff win, you know, and it's loads of tries, you know, great, 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 great rugby to watch, and then. Um, the guy's name's mistaken me now in the centre. I think he's from uh, Ponty. Garen Smith. Garen Smith, yeah. Garen Smith, straight, you know, straightens up, not flashy at all, but you know exactly what he's going to do in the centre there. And suddenly, you know, things start to look a little bit different. Sometimes in anything. a game against Treviso, you need a Garen Smith. <laughs> Garen Smith, yeah. But and and that's the, I, I think that's the point that we're all we're all probably trying to make, aren't we? With with Tomkins, is that. He can look brilliant. He really can, and and he's got that in him. But you know, I think it was probably quite hard for the ten to work with. You know, to work with 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 a centre like that, and and also the outside backs as well. Because if someone's cutting in, cutting out, you know, it, it, it's so you feel so safe if you know if you have an idea what 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 you know what they're going to do um, in certain situations. And I I don't think he often knows. Um, which is why he'll score and and have man of the match performances and and sort of do do wonderful things at times. But equally, there can be I think quite a lot of damage in there as well. And we've got to look at yeah. can we build a backline around that? I think. But just think, you know, yesterday all, all the times he went wide, either for Josh Adams' try or one of Cutty's breaks or any any time he went wide, seemed to be from memory. I could be really wrong. Uh, I regularly am. Seemed to be when we bypassed Tompkins, <laughs> give it to someone else, or miss and, and they distribute. They distribute from there. Um, but to be know, to be fair, he did. He did. He did, he did even get whitewashed, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But from a messy, from a messy kind of uh, midfield ruck, you know, not not from a flowing back move. Uh, it was very Saracens type mm. of a try that was, just like. Um, the defence is trying to stretch out wide and you find a gap yes, in the middle. Be. What's that, Dan? What'd you say then, Dan? I was just going to say, <laughs> I was going to say nothing worse than them sort of missing, missing you out on the, on the pass every single time. <laughs> <and that's, laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Just, um, just while we're sticking yeah. with the centres, uh, we had this one in from Jonathan Davis. Not that one in the centre, obviously. Um, why can't we pick Scott could be, Williams? Why, <laughs> could be. why can't we pick Scott Williams at centre? Or will Halaholo ever be fit? Um, thoughts on those two gentlemen in the in the centre equation? We had uh, uh, our guest last week, Matthew, banging the banging the drum for uh, for Scott Williams as a as a football in twelve. Uh, keen to get your take on that, Dan. I think uh, I think 
It's a good call. Yeah, plenty of. Um, you know, I, I'm a massive fan of Scott Williams, as uh, as everyone knows, and he is a. I was going to say a proper centre. You can't say that, can you? But he's, he's a great, he's just a great, great player, and he got it all. Got it all. Good, good footwork, good distribution, can carry as well, and I think he gives some real sort of rigidity to a backline. Um, and he's hard as and he's hard as nails as well, isn't he? Which which helps. Um, so yeah, I think there's a it's a good shout to get him to, to get him back in. We were wondering whether his legs were that's his my, legs that's were there. my concern. I love Scott Williams, and he was so good for such a long period of time. And I also thought looked equally comfortable twelve or thirteen at international level, and that's a that's a really hard thing to do. My concern is again the best form we've seen is you know is this season in the URC, and it's it's Foslas on a Tuesday form, and that's the. That's the bit that you know. Would he just look too slow at, at international level now? Um, I would yeah, love that I, not to be the case. I would absolutely love it not to be, but that would be my worry. I think there's yeah, there's a there's a concern over pace. I think it's also a concern over the the amount of in the amount of knocks he carries. Mm. So, Pivac sort of have said, isn't he? We, we're looking at we've got to take into account whether the players can actually get through training and then play, and obviously. You know, Tomkins is someone that he's, he's resilient, isn't he? You know, he, he can train and then he can play and he comes back and he's ready He's ready to go again. And Pivak has sort of said that, but not in so many words, see, that he's, he's he's there, he's ready to, you know, he's ready to go and he, and he, and that's, you know, is he the, <laughs> is he the sort of last man standing? We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of centres, haven't we, that are literally hanging on by a thread. And we don't, we don't, you know, we don't know because it's not reported. It's not told to us just the level of the level of injuries these guys carry. I think we all know that that Scott was carrying big, big injuries. For, you know, he never never got a proper run at the Ospreys, did he? And missed out on missed out on Rugby World Cup, I think, because even though he's technically fit, I think Gatlin was worried about taking him. And again, not you know, Gatlin rated him hugely highly as well, didn't he? But yeah, I think he was worried yeah, he about taking him because of the um, the extent of the injuries that he'd had. And, and to be fair to Pivak, as we've just said, if you end up like Eddie Jones picking players who aren't who aren't fit anyway, um, well you're on a you're on a hide into nothing in that regard. So yeah, I don't um, I don't envisage it happening anytime soon, if I'm honest. It, well, it, it, if if our backline was going well, I would I would say fine, you know, move on from Scott Williams, mm. but it's not going that well and. Uh, you know, uh, he, he is. He, it's not a progressive selection because he's long in the tooth, like that. The the the, the rip off of um, Courtney Laws to win the game in was ten, ten years, years ago, ago. Yeah. and he wasn't he wasn't a teenager when he did that. He was already been around a while. So, uh, he, he, you know, it would be progressive to pick him, but I, I wouldn't argue against it because um, because the back line is not impressing anyone anyway. So, um, uh, he, he, well, when this came up last week, Matthew, we immediately said um, Reese Webb as well. Mm. He's just there's certain players that uh, Pivac's not interested in. I'm trying to think um, back because didn't didn't Scott leave the Scarlets when uh, when Pivac was in charge as well? Yeah, or was that Priestland? Both, I think Priestland. Yeah, de- yeah, Priestland yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. did. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think, yeah, I think I'm right might be right there actually. I think mm, I, yeah. I think I'm right in saying that. But um, yeah, anyway, right, just to wrap up, fellas, you'll like this. I've had two tweets coming while we've been on air. Uh, this one is from, uh, 
is from someone uh, that just says, Cuthbert was really good. Should I pick him at 13? Yours sincerely, W. Pivak. Um, so yeah, well, <laughs> which uh, yeah, I hadn't seen. I, I hadn't. Seen, that's literally just come in as well. So uh, that was before we. Um, yeah, I even, like that one. Even in, even in the wake of us talking about playing players out of position, and then a further update from Greg Sherrington. I hope you've gone full scale language, Murph, <laughs> as, have, the, as yeah. the ref deserves it. So yeah, Greg, you'll know at this point that you've not been disappointed by that, and the uh, the director's cuts to come. Uh, <laughs> I did restrict myself to F's. Um... You did in the second half, Murphy. Yeah. I think I did one one bollocks, but nothing beyond that. So I mean, you know, you wouldn't worry. You wouldn't worry about your uh, teenage kids around it. Like they might, they've, trust me, they've heard much worse in high school. So I'm don't, sure. Don't, don't worry too much. Yeah. I'm sure you've been very calm. I, I thought I thought you were gonna. <laughs> all I can think of is that you, you know you dropped a couple of boxes of roses round to the to the neighbours on the left <laughs> and the right. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then, so that's why you're just holding it back. And your, your wife has said, "Don't, you know, no more, no more." Yeah. Oh, it wasn't uh, obviously. I was feeling, but it was actual um, whacking, <laughs> double-handed. I, I, this again, I'm I'm doing <laughs> doing a visual uh, recreation on a podcast, which is just sums up my education, I suppose. But uh, double whack of my hands up in the air and whacking down on my leather sofa on either side of me in furious temper at another effing breakdown gone wrong where we've been either not enough men or bad presentation or whatever, whatever problem it was or just uh, undetected cheating by the ref or whatever. I'm just whacking the shit out of my sofa. So that was probably... Not just my my neighbours either side. That could have been out in the street as well. They were, you know what I mean? So, yeah, brilliant. That's it. Well, I mean, well. I'm a respected official at my rugby club. <laughs> 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 well, okay, official. I was going to say an official anyway. Yeah, <laughs> at any rate. Yeah, a parent. Uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I didn't fall off a drain pipe. So you know, there's always. There's always, I think I, you've, yeah. there's always lower lower places you can go to. You've come a long way in 15 years, Murph. Yeah, yeah, and we're all uh, we're all with you on this journey, um, <laughs> fellas. I've enjoyed that. It's been a good uh, yeah a good debrief on a on a on a hard situation. Hopefully, everyone uh, listening's enjoyed it as well on your your Monday morning after losing to England, which is one of the worst uh, one of the worst uh, times of the year. Um, we will be back next week to preview the France game. We'll also. Uh, no doubt have a bit of a wrap up of all the UFC action and uh, yes any uh, any questions you've got for us send them in uh, final thanks as our, uh, to our sponsors as always uh, which is So Coffee Trades if you want to get some top co- top quality coffee then you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk say it Murph Coffee, not nicotine kids nah, absolutely there you go listen to your Uncle Murph yes. and, and listen to the attacking <laughs> scrum we'll be back to chat rugby with you next week ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Everyone thinks I had a storybook career, that I just sprang into Disney Channel stardom overnight, made millions, and lived happily ever after. Spoiler alert, I didn't. 
There were countless failures along the way, and there still are. How I deal with that struggle and how I pivot when failure creeps in is what allows me to keep going, keep learning, and keep striving for balance. The Vulnerable Podcast is an invitation to hang out every week with me, Christy Carlson Romano, as I invite friends, celebrities, and experts for in-depth conversations discussing the good, the complicated, the beauty of being human, and what it means to be vulnerable. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate the ups and downs of my guests' paths to success. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.